Welcome back to the great dive. Uh, wait, wait, bienvenue, mes amis. Bienvenue au podcast de great dive. We just lost 50% of our English audience. Whoops, we're on the wrong podcast. No. Welcome back to the Great Time Podcast, everybody. Happy birthday to you. Joyous anniversary. Otti. Monsieur Jacques Cousteau. Joyous anniversary to you. Hey, everybody. It's Jacques Cousteau's birthday weekend. Hope you get your red caps, red speedos for this weekend. Because it's going to be a fun time. Brandon, what are you doing this weekend for Jacques Cousteau's birthday? I'm having French toast. I knew it. And French fries. I figured as much. And I'm wearing a beret. What about a <laughs> uh, little bit of cognac? Cognac, some vino. Oh, that's Espanol. Italian. But wine. Some, some Bordeaux. Some Bordeaux, yeah. We, we, we. We. You know, everybody Everybody knows him as, you know, the co-inventor of the Aqualung, the father of scuba diving. Uh, uh, but, you know, he was a, he was just, when you read so many of those stories, he was such an interesting character of, of human existence. Agreed. He uh, lived life, man. He lived life. Uh, the stories abound, you know, from him being on the 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 spy forces yeah back in world war ii yeah in world war ii he he did quote-unquote spy missions and way before scuba was even thought like this is yeah he was just in the french navy yeah and he lived kind of the you know a little bit of a james bondy lifestyle if you want to call it that you know when he, he he originally went in the french military he was going to become a pilot and uh, he got in a car accident coming back from some wild party in a sports car, you know. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, he liked to drink, he liked to smoke, he liked women. I, uh, I'm trying to find fault with the guy. But <laughs> we, we've posthumously put him on the board of the Great Dive Podcast. He's, he's a CEO and CFO and COO all in one. He's uh, dictating policy for us. But I think you know he became so known in in his later days as as a documentary filmmaker, an author, we, uh, 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 like a like a, he's a citizen like yeah. a, one of those like original citizen scientists that was yeah. was doing like scientific work because there were no real books really written at the time. Like nobody knew anything about the ocean. Well, I think he he found out, you know, after he went, you know, blowing up the reefs and all that shit to to do counts, he started to see, like, we're we're really damaging shit. (laughs) We're really, we really got to rethink our approach. So you got to tip your hat to that. And I would go farther than citizen scientist. He was an actual scientist. Yeah, yeah. He can throw away the citizen thing because his whole life was dedicated to the science of studying the you know 75 what, what i mean by that is he wasn't the guy planet. that you know went to university and got a degree True. in marine biology but he was autodidactic. And worked on his master's yeah. and phd and he was autodidactic and it just goes right, to yeah, show he was you. doing it he was doing it self that's what autodidactic. self-taught on that, his own yeah that's autodidactic he what is it what's the term when uh you you learn by yourself all yourself yeah without being in class with a teacher to show you you don't need the letters after your name to really make an impact and really be uh uh knowledgeable about your field you don't need those letters necessarily and he he didn't let that stop him he just went forward and did said what he was going to do and did it and when he came across something that he didn't know anything about, we all know, you know, Jacques he made, back in he made up these days, he went to YouTube <laughs> Academy. He just made something <laughs> from, up. Uh, from his 
Bow Studio on the Calypso, you know, satellited in YouTube, and he you know, sat and watched some videos for a little while to learn about coral bleaching. Yeah, that and consulted, you know, professionals, educated folks, and brought together different areas of expertise on his uh, voyages. He did a, yeah, quite a, especially in the time, quite a unique approach to... Um, the science of studying the ocean. Right. There was very few detailed, accurate maps of a lot of these reefs and a lot of this water that they were trying to navigate. Right. Nobody knew anything what was below 20 feet of the water for the most part. Civilian-wise, as far as you know. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting, like, back in those days when, you know, they're on the boat and they're like, well... We got to get over there, <laughs> but it's really shallow. <laughs> well, we we have two hundred pounds of dynamite on the back of the boat. Well, to be able to make those calls later on of like, oh, this might not be a bad idea just to blow shit up anytime we want to go from point A to point B and something gets in our way. Might not be a good idea, is what you mean? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it might, it might not be a good idea. Yeah, it might not be a good idea to do it's that. It's a in, in it's the, an efficient and. Uh, financially sound decision <laughs> however ecologically speaking there are better ways to um to do that and uh, i mean you you got to learn somehow you you got to learn somehow you can't just uh assume knowledge is going to come in your head about how to do this stuff he's one of the first so right and then and really the anybody that was doing and spending any time underwater was doing it you know prior to him and the gang in a hard hat. Yeah. Uh, you know, working, you know, working in basically one stationary spot for the most part or just like taking in, you know resources from the bottom. Right. And And then any t- they, they didn't really get to spend time with the underwater world like Jacques was really trying to do. Yeah. Well, nobody really made a concerted effort to to do so is the is the real thing everybody right. looked was, at it as a first. farmland you know or whatever that's our resource we'll just use it and that's what they did they didn't really study it and and figure out how to maintain it and uh preserve it yeah, i think in the beginning though he really wasn't into that you know uh conservation approach but he saw how beautiful it was, and he saw its impact on life. Period, and and how big of a role it played into uh, in 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 the planet's life. You know, in the planet's daily undertakings, the the ocean plays such a huge role, if not like the main role on this planet. Right. Right. Well, early on, you know, they weren't just scuba divers, right? They were. Menfish, Men as they fish. called themselves, yeah. right? They were skin diving. They got a hold of some goggles and some fins, and they were breath hold free diving, and they were eating the fish, right? They were using it to, to hunt for food, and he saw so much, and he just wanted to stay and spend more and more time there, and he wanted to bring and share that with the people that he knew, so he wanted to bring the camera down. Yeah. And create film to show people and showcase a completely different type of filmmaking that really didn't exist at the time either. You know, what, what I think is so cool about old Jacques is he dispelled so many of the myths. So many of the stuff that we take for granted, you know, knowing today. But, I mean, we're talking in, in a time when everybody thought everything underwater was a monster. <laughs> well, I don't know if they were that you know bad, I mean? but yeah. sharks, <laughs> sharks were monsters. Yeah. Octo, you know, octopus were Oct- monsters. Octopi, octopi. But yeah, I, I the don't. Manta, <laughs> the manta, the manta was a goddamn flying monster that would eat you right off the boat. Yeah, I mean, uh, the moray eel, yeah. bloodthirsty snake of the sea. Well, I think movies had a lot to do with that, and they purposely did that to drive fear so that it would sell tickets. I mean, you got to – that's how they sell tickets. 
Gate. Night dive. Nobody in their goddamn right <laughs> mind would ever get into the Were you the part ocean of this movement night. in the f- in fucking Hollywood? Like, hey, let's. They don't know what's down there. We can make it do whatever we want, and it's going to attack them. It's going to attack them. In the early 1900, there wasn't a goddamn person on planet Earth that was going in the water <laughs> at night because that's when the goddamn monsters came out of the water. Yeah. So it means so Jacques was the first. You know, to night dive, to swim at night, to realize there's there's nothing in the water at all. Well, I don't know if he was the first, but he definitely brought back the movies so that people could see. On the other hand, you know, some of the stuff Jacques did, I know we're, we're painting him as this, you know, almighty great guy. He was still using the old fear tactic, uh, to sell, to sell tickets kind of thing. Oh well, sure. He knew how to market. Absolutely. I mean, well, you're not gonna, you're not going to get millions of dollars of funding just, from the likes of Ted Turner you, without <laughs> knowing how to market yourself a little. You're bit. just going to call it marketing. <laughs> so, I call it you know stretching the truth. And then I have kids, so they'll want to stretch the truth. I just say, don't lie, motherfuckers. Don't fucking lie. Be honest. And and come on, I love Jacques just as much as the next next uh, Jacques fan, but. He did sell the fear just like everybody else did. So he's part of the reason everybody thought, ah, sharks. Come on. He was out there shooting them with fucking shotguns. Okay. Hag. Well, absolutely he was. Absolutely I, he, he was. <laughs> he's uh, It's in. It's in. Well, absolutely he was. Why wouldn't <laughs> like, he be? <laughs> I'm saying absolutely. It's in the silent world. I know. Just shooting and blowing and up. The whale. Beat. He blew up the fucking whale. Come on, man. <laughs> well, he, he definitely had a learning curve to his conservative. I'm all to about. To his conservationist yeah. th- thinking. I'm all about, you know, let's paint the man in the real light. Let's not just say he's the greatest. And, and yes, he was part of the let's sell a little fear because It'll get my movie out there, and I need money to make that movie and get another movie. He was always, you know, and you you read about his, you know, in his autobiography or or his biographies, he struggled to get funding as time went on. So he had to sell it. He had to sell it. In order to sell it, you have to sell to the masses. And look at Jaws, the movie Jaws. The fuck, that's just a goddamn shark eating everybody with a, you know— Kind of has a, a vendetta against few folks, and that movie was. Hey, insanely... you ever been out on the East Coast? <laughs> yeah, I have been. <laughs> You'd have a little yeah. vendetta against those <laughs> folks too, if you know what I mean. What is, was was old Jazzy uh, from from uh, the neighborhood from the Bronx or something? Hey, what you doing in my water? <laughs> We're gonna have to have a little chat. Well, it's interesting, you know. Uh, you know, everybody gets sold an image of people, you know, nowadays that everybody just believes is the only side right. of everybody they see on TV or everybody that sees, you know, them come across their their feeds. Yeah, and, and you're right. We've all got. We all have our our, our good positive sides and, and our, we want our negative to traits see. as well. You know, and uh. people are so quick in this world to just they hear one little bad thing about somebody and, and, and cancel <gasps> them. Well, they cancel <gasps> them, and and, and that that's, that's. I mean, now we're starting to get into the deep philosophical aspect of the Great Dive podcast here because. People are humans. They've got the good. They've got the bad. And when they do something good for humanity, we should re- revere it. And then when you see something that, oh, this isn't politically correct right now, or this isn't this isn't a good thing, do we have to throw the baby out with the bathwater? I mean, the person did so much good. Let's just realize, as a human being, he didn't wasn't perfect. Uh, let's let's revere his uh, greatness and and understand he's human and. Blew up whales and killed sharks, and he wasn't the uh, you know, and he used right, fear. And there was to a lo- there was a long time where they tried to edit that out of that movie, The Silent World. Well, they want to change history. And, you can't. Yeah, he they want to change. The, yeah, and then and then later it came back into the film of like, no, this is this he is what we yeah, did. He wouldn't let it go, and that's where you really should tip your hat to him. He's like, listen, you know, don't, right? Don't He's, fucking he, hide He was history. the first to say, you know, hey. I've I've not done everything in my 
life perfectly you know it gets lonely on a boat it does you know (laughs) you 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 roll you roll in you know for some supplies in Ibiza what's a man to do I'd be in Ibiza I don't I would never hold that against a guy I mean come on that'd be part of the reason for joining the team how much time we're going to be in Ibiza (laughs) because I've been to Ibiza that's not a bad place in his book the silent world He's got a chapter called Monsters We Have Met. He starts that chapter <laughs> off, Brando, by saying that fishing Her name is one was... of man's <laughs> oldest occupations. What was that? Her name was Susan. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had a few too many. She didn't look like a monster. <laughs> fishing is one of man's oldest occupations, and fish stories entered folklore very early. Poets and nature fakers added their touches to marine superstitions that persist to our day. The popular press still cannot resist unsubstantiated stories of sea monsters. Boy, and that still goes on today when you're seeing little mm-hmm. videos finally popping up of the giant squid, right? Is mm-hmm. immediately sensationalized as the bloodthirsty killer yeah. of the sea that we finally got proof exists. stay tuned next week yeah that shit is still going on which is uh surprising to me in many ways he said back in the 1950s when he wrote the silent world when the helmet diver appeared a century ago the saga gained the ultimate dramatic ingredient a human hero to descend and give battle to the fields their sanguinary engagements have been portrayed by dry riders ashore. The lonely, hard-working divers may be forgiven for their silent endorsement of the sagas. Indeed, the helmet diver, imprisoned in his cask and almost always working in filthy harbors and channels, is unable to determine whether an interference with his air pipe is caused by a giant squid or a rotted spar. <laughs> Doubt could only leaves be those room two. for interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> Doubt leaves room for interpretation. True, it's only it can only be one of these. It's a giant squid or a spar. Well, yeah, I mean, well put there. There's a lot of that. I think we just talked about and, that basically, and that's yeah. and I, I guess that's where I was going with it. Right? Yeah. It's like everything was a monster. Exactly. And well. Exactly, because it sold. It, it, it was a monster in the newspapers. It was a non- monster in the books. All of the media, right? Movies, when movies started to become popular. Well, we've got this unknown world, and we can make anything we want happen down there. Because nobody will know. Nobody will know. And now, when they go back to the water, guess what's floating around in the back of their minds? The Loch Ness <laughs> Monster. Right? If you've had kids, man. I, I, go how- to, I went to school with Bat Boy. <laughs> He he was dropped off by a UFO. Uh, Yeah. I mean, my kids for longest time wouldn't want to go in the water where they, you know, you can't see what's under there and something would touch their leg. Oh, right. Exactly. Because it's, I mean, it's not, it's not the hydrilla growing from the bottom because the sun's out and uh, it's, you know, (laughs) it's the middle of June. And uh, it's (laughs) a giant squid. In this little lake. Yeah. (laughs) Right, of course, of so, course. Yeah, it plays with your mind, but it, like I say, it sells, and I get it. You gotta main, you gotta pay the bills, baby. You gotta pay the bills. Jockey says, "The naked man swimming in the sea mingles with and deserves life around him, and may be watched by other swimmers. And the recording eye of the lens, his advent means the end of superstition." Nicely done. Ah. Nicely done. Yeah. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. <laughs> Telling you. Jacques says, if I may put aside the sea snake, the villains of undersea myth are sharks, octopi, conjures, mores, stingrays, mantas, squids, and barracudas. We have met all but the giant squid, which lives beyond our depth range, save for the shark, about which we are still puzzled. The monsters we have met seem a thoroughly harmless lot. 
Some are indifferent to men. Others are curious about us. Most of them are frightened when we approach closely. I write here of some of our monsters and of the shark later. Whoa. So, like, he's the first one that's going to, like, come out and tell the people of the world about these monsters that have been portrayed for really for centuries. I mean, remember, I mean, I, I, I had that old book that I that I came across, the legends and superstitions of the sea. Yeah. Right. I mean, they were writing about, I mean, you go all the way back to Homer's Odyssey, you know, and you've got stories of, you know, there's a, a, a chemical process going with the sunlight and the algae in the bottom of the harbor that causes a, a gas to bubble up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's there's a like two there's two <laughs> chapters of my new sea monster book exactly. right there. <laughs> yeah. What else could it be? Well, that's the power of the imagination and that's why we're curious, trying to rid ourselves of the unreasonable fears. So we have to find out what it is. That's what's so great about being a diver. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. That is that's part of the diving attraction. You know, besides the you know, the Jacques image of, you know, cigarette, glass of wine, and a beautiful young lady at the bar talking about the, how you just wrestled a giant squid to, to make it there to well, buy her that times, glass of champagne. There's times when you have to embellish about the giant squid, Brando. I hear you, brother. I'm fully understanding all of that. Let me show you to my chambers. <laughs> I'll show you where the squid latched on and his perilous beak clawed into my flesh as I fought him off with my only diving knife pulled Giant. from its scabbard. <laughs> my gigantic diving knife. It seems to, you know, I've carried over. There's still a few hold holdovers with the gigantic. Oh, there's not, there's not a few holdovers. Yeah. I mean, uh, just last week, I... You know, I posted a couple of those pictures from the quarry. I mean, if there's ever a place more subdued and safe and, you know, peaceful than the Ohio quarry, you know, that photo of you, you know, scootering, kind of scootering away from me through those trees down there. I mean, I had people that I know, old family and friends that are like mind blown, like, what? For real? It's for real, you know, man. Because the, their God eyeballs have never seen such a thing. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, except in TV and the movies. And, and that guy, right, the only that guy thing looks they see is like smooth, 45. They, they watch 45 meters down. <laughs> right, and it, exactly. Right? They watch the mag. You're oh. Like everything underwater is just giant, yeah. bloodthirsty taste for human flesh under the surface of the water. Exactly. Yeah, it's and it's almost the opposite. And that's what I loved about Jacques, you know. So, so he he writes for the people back in the day that the octopus owes most of its notoriety to Victor Hugo, who in Toilers of the Sea related the manner in which the octopus ingests food. In this case, a human being. <laughs> a human being. You enter in the beast, he wrote. The hydra incorporates itself with the man. The man is amalgamated with the hydra. You become one. The tiger can only devour you. The devil fish inhales you. The devil fish. (laughs) (laughs) We got to bring religion into this. (laughs) Right, right, right. He draws you to him. The Republican devil. We got to get politics, religion. What's the Republican fish (laughs) takes your children and forces them into labor camps. We need to bring sex into it. And then you have the the triad of of doom right there. The the sex, religion, and politics. And then you can never speak of this thing. This thing, the prostitute... Republican devil fish. It's called a whorefish. <laughs> you, you were reading my mind. <laughs> he draws you to him, into him, and bound and helpless, you feel yourself emptied into this frightful sack, which is a monster. 
To be eaten alive is more than terrible, but to be drunk alive is inexpressible. I like the way you said eat. Eaten alive. <laughs> it was a... Uh... It was a little bit like that, um, oh, God, what's the movie? I think it was Mel Brooks' History of the World with the, the priest. We are gathered here today. <laughs> and he had that voice. Right, that's what I was trying eaten to go. alive. <laughs> you will be eaten alive. Okay, sorry. But So, Jock at the time is like... This is what people think of the sea. Yeah. This is what people, this is all they know of the octopus. The devil fish. The devil fish, may I say. (laughs) And And I love that, like, he really had, you know, his vision was really, you know, the first that looked at the sea with, let's get down there and explore and see these things. I mean, it took balls to go swimming oh, yeah. with the octopus and the only thing you knew about it is it's not going to eat you it's going to fucking drink <laughs> you alive yeah i'm surprised like, we haven't had more of a well we had life aquatic but more parody movies of of how the people were looking at what was going on under the water back in those you know 30s 40s the beginning of of scuba and underwater exploration, right? And and like, I'm Jack. I was like, I'm gonna go. Let's go dive at night. Like nobody's gonna go <laughs> dive at night. Are you insane, man? <laughs> right, right. The devil fish is out there and other things. Jack says, such was the anticipation of the octopus we took to our first dives. After meeting a few octopi, we concluded that it was more likely to be drunk alive referred to the condition of the novelist when he penned the passage (laughs) than to the situation of a human meeting an octopus. Good one. Yeah, so good. He says, on countless occasions, we have offered our persons for his libation. At first, we had natural revulsion against touching the slimy surfaces of rocks and animals, but found that the fingertips conveyed no such sense. It made it easier to touch a live octopus for the first time. We saw many octopi on the floor and clinging to reefs. Dumas seized the nettle one day by pulling an octopus from a cliff. He was somewhat apprehensive, but it was a small octopus, and Didi felt he was too large a drink for it. If Dumas was timid, the octopus was downright terrorized. It writhed desperately to escape the four-armed monster and succeeded in breaking loose. It made off by slow jet propulsion, exuding spurts of its famous ink. And now today, the octopus is one of the most loved sights underwater in any diving location. Yeah. First animal I saw on on scuba was an was it really yeah right there in 10 feet of water in the mediterranean it was a octopi it took me years to see an octopus well if you start and even, and start even when i in michigan <laughs> yeah i dove for you then it was the first thing i saw when i went into the ocean <laughs> well the first time i was in the ocean i was basically in scuba A favorite haunt for another breed of monster was an encampment 130 feet down in La Seche du Saranier in the Côte d'Azur. The soil was distinctive. It seemed sandy until we drew near and saw it was a field of queer round pebbles of organic origin, tinted in delicate shades of rose and mauve. There were a few stone cairns inhabited by maris and rockfish, but the place was owned by rays. A host of stingrays, eagle rays, and skates rested flat on the pebbles. Oh, the rays, the evil, monstrous rays. <laughs> I always thought those would be the devil fish. I always thought the manta was known as the devil, devil fish. fish. Yeah, yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah. I know they also called the octopus the devil fish. I remember that. But uh, old yeah. Victor Hugo. The uh, the rays are incredible, though. I mean, I've had some of the 
greatest encounters with underwater sea life in, in rays. You know, oh, I have a my... great video of Southern Stingray that's probably six feet across. Oh yeah, one of my favorite sites. Playing to with see us, is, yeah. yeah the, just the the way they move in the water. Yeah. is so cool. It's mesmerizing. I just sat oh, there is, and yeah. you know kept rotating around in a circle as it circled me, and uh, it was like wanting to play. And I'm like, how do you play with the ray? What do you What do you do? I didn't I didn't have a ball for it to fetch. One of the all <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know was that one oh. of the first photographs that ever really caught my attention of wanting to know how to capture yeah life underwater was a a, a guy took a macro shot of the eye of a stingray mm. you could see part of the body was all covered in sand but just just the eye of the stingray yeah. was sticking was up. out yeah. oh, it, was, it was such a cool uh, i it's burned into my mind i'll never forget That's that photo got to be a cool shot is that the eye doctor guy that you saw that? Actually, it was a different, different guy. guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a different guy, but I know who you're talking yeah. about, yeah. As we swam to them, they raised alertly on their wingtips, ready to flee. And when we closed in, they rose in pairs and fled. We often saw them swimming in couples, but we have not been able to capture a natural pair to see if they were sexual mates. Once, I came upon two medium-sized stingray asleep on the bottom, one awoke and started to fly. It hesitated, returned to the other, and awakened it by flapping its wings. They sailed away together. Beautiful. And that is the beautiful sight of those stingrays coming, leaving the bottom. Mm -hmm. Gliding. Gliding through the water. When we glided motionless into the ray kingdom, they remained, rolling their big round eyes and closely watching us. The thicker bodies were pregnant females which retained their young for a long time, as if to launch them as capable as possible in the struggle for life. Spearing rays has no further interest for us. The killing is simple and unworthy. In the early days, we sometimes harpooned rays. One that we landed surprised us by giving birth on the sand. Tallier picked up one of the eight-inch calves to return it to the water. The newborn infant Gave him a man-sized sting. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to watch out for the stings, as uh, the old crocodile hunter will let you know. <laughs> right, you know, uh, the stingrays, you know, stingrays, manta rays, you know, they were all doing so good for decades. And then? And then old Stevie. Stevie, yeah. Oi! Hi, mate! <laughs> Crikey! Crikey! Let me see you there, Stingy Roy! That's gonna leave a mark, eh? Jacques says, Rays are no danger to a diver. Certainly, they will never attack a man. The celebrated stinger is not an offensive weapon. It is a reactor to molestation. The stinger is located at the base of the tail, extending for only a sixth of its length. Dumas swims up behind a ray and grabs the end of the tail, an insurance against an accidental sting. The ray, what a badass son of a bitch. <laughs> you believe that guy, dude? I do. I do believe him, but yeah, these guys were... They were like the honey badgers. They don't give a shit. <laughs> right, right, man. The ray struggles to release its tail from his grasp, but cannot, but it cannot manipulate the stinger while Dumas holds the tip. The saw-toothed weapon is placed to defend attack from behind and above. Bathers who step on a ray may receive this reflex stroke, inflicted as deeply as the frightened animal can swing. It may mean several weeks in the hospital. And a little bit of pain. Pain, yes. In undersea fiction, the moray eel is a formidable gangster of the deep. It guards as many sunken treasures as does the literary octopus. Fishermen fear the moray on a realistic basis. Flopping out its life in the bilge boards of a boat, the moray in extremis, will bite anything presented to its jaws. Wise fishermen crush its head as soon as it's boated. 
Roman historians relate that Nero threw slaves into pools of mores to amuse his friends with the sight of human beings being eaten alive. <laughs> I think you I think you're enjoying this, James. <laughs> the theatrics, they're missing this. <laughs> the ruthlessness of the ancients. They just love to watch people being tortured. It's yeah. Well, I don't think it's an ancient thing. You can look at how popular YouTube is when somebody's getting fucking beat the shit out of. <laughs> they like it. It's, uh, it's like watching a train wreck. You can't take your eyes off of it. This celebrated perversity, whether true or not, gave the Mori a bad name for all time. Nero must have methodically starved captive mores until the fish had no choice of menu. Jacques says, mores will not attack men in the sea. They presented themselves to us with only the head and neck emerging from a hole. They looked quite fearsome. In addition to speed, camouflage, and weapons, fish employ psychological effects. The more disseminates propaganda with its evil eyes and bared fangs. If it could hiss like a wildcat, it would. The moray is also found in sunken ships, staring with ballistic eyes from encrusted areas of pipes and trunks. Alas, it is as prosaic as you and I and the cat. It wishes to be unmolested in the destined journey of life. It is a confirmed homebody. It will hence inflict a bite on an intruder. Dumas was once reaching into the reef for lobsters under Machado light when he took a moray bite on the finger. The puncture was unimportant and healed overnight. The next day, the wound hemorrhaged and closed again. Dumas said, the moray did not attack me. It warned my hand to get out and stay out. There was no infection. The bite was not venomous. He tells of another monster, Brando. Uh-oh. He says, while we were grubbing in the harbor of ancient Carthage, we called on Dr. Helt, director of the oceanographic station at Salambo. He had his wife, he and his wife had great enthusiasm for Tunisian marine fauna and urged us to visit one of the most horrible and grand sights we would ever see. The Madruga of Sidi Daud. <laughs> the Madruga is a gigantic tuna net originated centuries ago in the Aegean and Adriatic and brought later to Tunisia. It is a wide meshed vertical net a mile or two in length, which is stretched diagonally from the shore terminating at sea in four roomy chambers in which big tuna are trapped during the early summer spawning season. He goes on to talk about the tunas being migrants and moving through and getting trapped in this big spider net created and the massacre that occurs of hundreds and hundreds of these tuna. Some of them, you know, 400 pounds apiece. And of that, he says... Life took on a new perspective when we considered from the viewpoint of the creatures imprisoned in that net. We pondered how it would feel to be trapped with the other animals and have to live their tragedy. Dumas and I were the only ones in the creeping, constricting prison who knew the outcome, and we were destined to escape. Perhaps we were over-sentimental, but we were ashamed of the knowledge I had an impulse to take my belt knife and cut a hole for the mass break to freedom. The death chamber was reduced to a third of its size. The atmosphere grew excited and frantic. The herd swam restlessly faster, but still in formation. Their eyes passed us with almost human expression of fright. Yeah, but so he got to go down there and swim and, and see the net from the outside trap all those tuna. Yeah. And he could feel like a like a humanization of those fish having a human like fear and no knowing of their own demise. It's interesting. He says barracudas are no danger to divers. Despite undersea fairy tales, 
I know of no reliable evidence of a barracudas attacking a diver. Many good-sized barracudas passed us in the Red Sea, in the Mediterranean, and the tropical Atlantic, giving no sign of aggressiveness. A diver is too busy avoiding a certain truly dangerous undersea animal to fret over barracudas. This real-life peril of the deep is the commonplace sea urchin, a burrowing, thistle-like echinoderm with sharp, brittle spines. It is in no way aggressive. It is merely omnipresent. The urchin may not measure up to the demands of the monster mongers, but when one bumps into an urchin, there is villain enough. Its spines penetrate the flesh and break off. They are extremely difficult to remove and may become infected. We keep a sharper eye out for sea urchins than we do for barracuda. Have you ever been urchined? No. No, I haven't. I, uh... I keep a good eye out for the old urchins, and I try to stay off the bottom, you know? Yes, we've learned that if you don't touch the bottom, <laughs> you won't get there's, a good, there's a good chance you won't get urchins. Well, they're not, gonna, they're not like flying through the water at you, so it's, it's you know, just, I don't want to say, say it like, what are you, a moron? But it's kind of common sense, you know, just don't wreck their, their homes. I remember being in the Cocos Island, mm-hmm. many years ago. And everybody on the goddamn boat got urchined, except for me. What did they do? Just go, were they all like photographers kneeling on the bottom kind of thing? Exactly, yeah. exactly. You, you know, it's, it's just, it, was the, it was the thing. You know, it was just what people did is, you know, they got on the bottom, held on to something. And a lot of times there was, you know, there was this one spot where we did this big swim through that, it was all, I mean, all urchins all the way around yeah. inside the rocky volcanic rock wall. And there was a big surge, like swooshing to and fro that you kind of, you know, you, you swam when the current was going at you. And then you glided as the current was pushing you, you know, through this opening. And you had to be aware of where you were so you could zip through. But if you crashed into the wall because you're flapping and flailing, you're going to get your ass urchined up and you'd have all those pokey purple spines in you when you got back on the boat one guy laid his belly right down like trying to take a picture of a, of a shark and just slowly descended into the bottom you know losing his buoyancy tried to focus on that viewfinder right right around his belly button had a big old star print i mean i can see when you're if you're doing a, a beach entry or a shore entry and it's a little rocky, you've got those urchins and the little nooks and crannies, but sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. But yeah, overall you try not to mess with the, these, these guys homes. Right, right. You leave the bottom prettier than you arrived there. Word. A larger nuisance is the stinging jellyfish whose very colored crystal cups hand in the water like small naval mines. They are pleasingly patterned in dark blue, brown, and yellow. Many varieties of jellyfish can deal a shocking sting. The most prevalent and dangerous is the Portuguese man of war, whose arrival at the seashore has spoiled many a resort season. The animal floats on the surface, dangling its long, poisonous filaments. I made a dive off Bermuda through a colony of men of war. So crowded together, it was hard to find a place to enter. Safe below the surface, I looked up at a ceiling of injurious threads, fringing the sky to the limit of sight. Among the filaments swam small gnomious fish of the perch-like family who have an absolution from the man of war. It never stings them. Probably the most common injury I've seen in the Caribbean. Yeah is when you're in the water with those Portuguese man-of-war and they catch on that tagline. Hmm. And the divers just grab on and start trucking up, pulling themselves up to the boat and just stick a hand right in in there, you know? I've seen that probably the the most of any other dangerous encounter with the sea creature. That and this one. Two important living enemies of undersea man are fire coral and sea poison ivy, 
which inflicts burns that may last for days. They are allergenic phenomena. A few persons are immune and others suffer no pain on the first contact, but the second exposure brings a severe rash. Antihistamine creams heals the burns of sea ivy and fire coral in a few hours. And old Jackie closes this chapter by saying, Such are some of the monsters we have met. If none have eaten us, it is perhaps because they have never read the instructions so generously provided in marine demonology. Marine demonology? (laughs) There's instructions. So here Jacques was in 1953 writing of the myths and the misconceptions of the monsters that they were seeing face-to-face underwater. And you got to give kudos to the underwater research group of the Cousteaus being the first really to go down and get right there in the nitty-gritty, touch and play around with this devil fish of the octopus that before them were all demonic myths of what these creatures really were. You know, Jacques' group, the Undersea Research Group. Erg. <laughs> Erg, as, as they were known. Their fav- favorite time of year to dive? Summertime. Well, hell yeah. <laughs> you know what kind of you know what kind of summer the, the, the uh, undersea uh, research uh, group was having? <laughs> I do. I, a smooth sack summer, maybe. <laughs> You're damn right. They were participating in smooth sack summer. Oh, they were we the go. kings of smooth sack summer. And when Jackie and Didi and Talier and the boys were playing in the summer sun, <laughs> you know for sure. That they were escaped from pubes to bum. That's right, everybody. This summer, you got to keep your balls cool while still looking hot. And you could do that with Manscaped, the leader in below-the-waist grooming, just like Jockey and the boys used to do. They are making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. You can dive head first, just like good old Dee Dee used to do, into smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com. Get your 20% off and free shipping with our code TGDP. Thanks, everybody, who has been going and keeping purchasing these great new products from Manscaped because they keep telling us that you guys are doing such a great job that you are keeping us partnered up with good old Manscaped. Keeping our head above water in more ways than one. You know I love my lawnmower 4.0, Brando, just as much as you love your hedge trimmers. <laughs> Got to trim those hedges. As you get older, it gets worse. I love my 7,000 RPM motor multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. And that lawnmower 4.0 gives me the ability to turn on a 4,000K LED spotlight when I need it to get that really precise shave around James's old budgie. <laughs> the old budgie, oi, mate. Yeah, well, surprisingly, that little light comes in handy for, they should put that on every uh, razor. Oh, yeah. You know, that's regrooming. I mean, I mean, you can, I mean, you can uh, do some manscaping in the dark if you wanted to. It won't be dark, not with that 4,000K. Is that what you said? 4,000 4, LED spotlight illuminating the forest of... Now, when you show up to the summertime pool party wearing your red cap like Jacques Cousteau and your red budgie like <laughs> old Jamesy at the summer pool party barbecue, make sure that uh, you're also using that little crop preserver ball deodorant so you can stay cool in the heat. Got to stay cool, baby. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com, everybody. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. Hot girls everywhere agree it's smooth sack summer, and you guys need to get on board before it ends. Smooth sack summer. We do have to give a shout-out. Oh, we do. We've been meaning to give a shout-out. I was talking to my buddy Ken over at Halcyon, and he told me we have to give a shout-out to one of his new Cave 2 students, good old Sarah, who is a big fan of the Great Dive podcast, he says. 
And she said she was, you know, uh, I think she was going back and confirming everything he was saying in his class, <laughs> you know, that it, that it coincided with Great Dive Podcast. Yeah, the Great Dive Podcast says that, too. You want me to do what? Hang on. Let me go listen to episode 2022. <laughs> and so we, we hope we were right in line with everything uh, you were being taught there, Sarah, and congratulations on your cave diving. Yes, a big congratulations. It's uh, it's a big achievement. Yeah, and maybe we'll see you down there uh, in the Florida caves one of these days. Oh, we'll see. You. If we do, make sure you come say hi. What else can she say to us besides hi? Come say hey. Don't touch my well, fucking shit. At, uh, <laughs> she could say that, or or if she sees us at the great outdoors, she could say hi by you guys around. That's always a uh, that's always a positive if, thing to say. If we're at El Patio, she could say, "Can I get you guys a margarita?" Well, there's a lot of things she could say. I like it. I like it. Instead of high, just high. We, we like uh, <laughs> those other ones, too. All right, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you next week. I uh, hope you enjoyed talking about that old Captain Cousteau with us. Au revoir, mes amis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Monsieur Brando. We. We. My new sign-off is just Yeah. I, I used that last week, I think, and uh, I was pretty happy Great. with that. There you go. We. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando.